I'll just summarize my uh, hope for the campus this way. I, I hope that it evolves into something that no entity will ever consider walking away from again. Um, in 2004, the LIU trustees made the decision to walk away from what was then called Southampton College of Long Island University. Some will say with great justification, others might take a different view. Um, and then in 2010, the decision was made at, at some level of the Stony Brook administration to walk away again. Uh, and that, that uh, thankfully never happened. So I, my hope is that um, it will become such a vital and vibrant institution um, that, um, that walking away from it would be unthinkable. And my own view, uh, which is perhaps not fully informed, is that that future for the campus or for the college on that campus rests with the hospital moving to that campus and it would allow a transformation of the curriculum uh, in a way that would that would complement uh, the medical use that would be taking place on that campus. From the Express News Group, I'm Gavin Manu, publisher of the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, Express Magazine, and 27East.com. The Express Sessions are back with a new season of conversations not to be missed. And this is the Sessions Report. The Express Sessions are presented by Rocco Carrero Wealth Partners, a Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisor for 2023 with offices in East Hampton and Southampton. Deciding the right next move in a changing market can be a challenge, but the right financial advice can help you best position your portfolio to take advantage of opportunities and mitigate loss. The professionals at Rocco Carrero Wealth Advisors are committed to understanding your goals and can provide personal financial advice to meet your individual needs. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit RoccoCarrero.com or call 631-283-8482. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back to the Sessions Report. Uh, we hosted our first Express Sessions event of 2024 on Thursday, January 11th, titled Clarifying the Vision for the Stony Brook Southampton Campus. It was a really terrific conversation. It was held at Union Sushi and Steak in Southampton. And, uh, you know, since 1963, that stretch of property in Shinnecock Hills has had a college presence, first as Southampton College and today as the Southampton campus of Stony Brook University. We had a terrific panel uh, to discuss the uh, the issues around it, uh, including a mix of officials from the University of Stony Brook, including Wendy, Wendy Pearson, the university's vice president for strategic initiatives, Jed Shivers, its senior vice president for finance and administration, and from the medical side, Dr. William Wertheim, who is the interim executive vice president for Stony Brook Medicine. We also had uh, from the campus itself, Dr. Christopher Gobler, who's a professor in the School of Marine and Atmospheric Sciences. We had former Southampton College provost and former U.S. Representative Tim Bishop, whose voice you heard at the top of the podcast, 
along with our New York State Assemblyman, Fred Thiel, and our New York State Senator, Anthony Palumbo. So it was a, a large panel for us. It was obviously an important conversation. And uh, joining me today to take a look back at some of the takeaways is uh, our executive editor of the Express News Group, Joe Shaw, who moderated the event. Hey, Joe. Hey, how you doing, Gavin? Good. Uh, also, our managing editor, Bill Sutton. Hey, Bill. Hey, Gavin. And uh, lastly, Steve Coates, who's uh, been our lead reporter on this. You know, we've been kind of doing this in-depth look at at the college campus. Uh, welcome, Steve. Good afternoon. Um, so, uh, you know, we started off the new year with a three-part package looking at the past, present, and future of the Stony Brook Southampton campus. It's kind of been an issue that's been on our on our radar for a while. And uh, and then with this event, it's been, you know, it's been pretty comprehensive. So, Joe, thus far, what would you say the big takeaways have been, both from our uh, our coverage of, of the college and, and Stony Brook's plans and from the event that we had last week? You know, it's funny, Gavin, because with the series, timing is everything. And we timed it for the beginning of the year, uh, partly because we felt like it was a time of the year when we had an opportunity to, to dig a little deeper into the topic. But as it happened, the series um, is taking place just as Governor Kathy Hochul made her State of the State address and made a big announcement um, on Tuesday, uh, which would have been the 9th, uh, that she wants to invest $500 million in adding affordable housing on unused state-owned properties all over uh, New York State. Uh, but the SUNY campuses are definitely one of those things. And uh, we got pretty good information yesterday from the Stony Brook folks and from Assemblyman Fred Thiel that Stony Brook has been part of that conversation from the beginning behind the scenes. So they are definitely excited about the possibility of adding some affordable housing on that site. That was uh, one of the real big bits of news, I think, that, that we got out of this series. But I, the takeaway from the session yesterday, after talking with some of the Stony Brook folks who were there, and we should point out, Stony Brook had a big presence at this event. They brought more than a dozen uh, administrators in to, to attend the event, in addition to the three who were on the panel. And I think they got a really good taste of how connected this community is to the college how concerned it is about the college and how informed it is that, that, you know, the, the comments I got from the Stony Brook folks I talked to afterwards were, wow, these people really know what's going on. They ask really smart questions. They are really plugged in. And, and I think that was the big takeaway that Stony Brook got, which is this is a community that cares about that campus. And as they go forward, it's a community that has to have a voice in trying to decide what's going to happen there. And, and they seem committed um, to doing that. And, and it, it seemed like the statements that were made at the event um, on Thursday really made it clear that they want to hear the feedback from the community. They got plenty, I think. Fred Thiel, you're a distinguished graduate of Southampton College. And I think over the years, you've made no secret of the fact that you have great affection for the college presence there in Shinnecock Hills. Talk about what you think can happen with that campus. What's your vision for what it can be? Well, I, I think the first step is planning. We need a plan, a long-term plan for that campus. It is an underutilized uh, piece of property. And, you know, those decisions should be made by the community. It should be 
a collaborative community process. There's a lot of ideas about what we should be doing at that campus. And, uh, you know, clearly uh, the cornerstones continue to be, to be the marine sciences program, which has been distinguished for years. The fine arts and the writing program, those are still our cornerstones. I, I would hope that they would continue to be. I think, as Tim said and as several have said, the hospital is the key, to, I think, to the future of the campus. And, and uh, you know, the arrangement when Senator Laval and I, you know, together and now uh, Senator Palumbo, you know, bringing Stony Brook and Southampton Hospital together was a, a, a key moment. And, you know, passing legislation that allowed for a hospital to occur on the campus, you know, that's a critical part. And as you mentioned also with the, the, the medical sciences, <clears throat> programs and graduate programs that are already on the campus, we would hope that they would expand. You know, there are other things that I think can also happen at that campus. And one of them I think was referenced already, and that is certainly the potential for affordable housing and the governor's announcement this week, uh, I think will have some, uh, some impact for Southampton. Uh, I think we have to look at what are our strengths in this community. There are a lot of ideas. Uh, there's been talk about, uh, you know, providing opportunities for the trades in, 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 in that form of education. Uh, we are strategically located. You know, we are on the ancestral lands of the Shinnecock Nation, a center that focuses on Native American studies. There are there's great potential for this campus. It's underutilized. It's been underutilized for 17 years. We need to change that. Uh, but first and foremost, uh, you know, there's no one person on this panel or in this room that has all the answers. We need to involve the community in making these decisions and getting their buy-in to the future of the Southampton campus. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the discussion at the event, uh, people said, you know, we, we could rehash the, the the past and what's happened there and all the issues. But they, they, a lot of the people in the room wanted to look towards the future and just, you know, what's going to be done in the future. And and so, Steve, you've been asking all these questions and you did a, 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 one of our, our first uh, part of the series was looking at the past and, you know, the history of Southampton College. But you, you said, you know, that you leave these events sometimes with even more questions than you went into it with. What was your takeaway from the event, having having read all the history, having asked a lot of questions already? Um, but sitting down in that room with a lot of those Stony Brook officials, um, did, did you get some clarity on any of the uh, issues you've been looking at? Um, yes. Uh, the, the, I think the, one of the key takeaways for me was when Wendy Pearson mentioned a couple of times that the goal is to really make, you know, is to continue with the, what she called the legacy programs of marine science, uh, arts and writing uh, and then, of course, and the the new, like the third leg of the stool, the um, health sciences, but that she also wanted to bring the community into it. And I, and she mentioned an advisory committee. I remember she used the expression, uh, uh, what did she say, gown in town, wanted to draw members from mm -hmm. gown in town. And um, and then and they they also spoke. I. I, I found it kind of humorous in a way they spoke about the affordable housing is sort of providing the campus with a ready-made community. Cause I think one of the weird things about the Southampton college campus all these years is that it's always been kind of a, a little separate, you know, and um, 
just kind of a little place off to the edge there and uh having people live there might actually give it a, a little a little little boost and, and i and i think that um you know fred thiel added to that as well when he talked about reopening the long island railroad station there so if you have people people living there and if you if they build the hospital there and you have people working there and then you have this ready-made transportation of of the of the train you know stopping there hopefully you know several times a, a day then then you you've got there, you, you lose some of that isolation that that Steve was talking about and you do have a little community there but it's connected to to the larger community if if that can happen and 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 imagine um <clears throat> what what an improvement that would be to some of the commuter traffic um that currently exists you know you've got southampton hospital in, in the middle of the village that that is um if if not the largest one of the largest employers on on the south fork and you've got people driving to and from the hospital um you know three shifts a, a day um if you can if you can get those people riding the the train to the new hospital then you you know you you, you make a big impact on on traffic The Express Sessions are supported by Advantage Title, a leading provider of residential and commercial title service on the east end of Long Island, throughout New York and nationwide. With an expertise in land use and five in-house counsel, they're known for seamless transactions. Since 1987, hands-on management, state-of-the-art technology, underwriter relationships, and a commitment to being the best have set Advantage Title apart. Visit AdvantageTitle.com or contact Executive Vice President Chris Nuzzi at cnuzzi at AdvantageTitle.com to discuss your title needs today. Fred Thiel has said for many years his big criticism of the college is that it could be a bigger economic driver than it is. That's always been his, his problem with the college. What I got yesterday, and he used the term synergy, which I think, you know, and he groaned when he used it. Everybody hates using that word. But there's a certain synergy that, that has a possibility of taking place now on that college campus. If you add housing, and that housing would primarily be aimed at addressing the needs of Stony Brook and the needs of the Stony Brook Southampton Hospital, both the existing one and maybe in the future one on the campus. But it also might add some affordable housing to the community. So you begin to address that. You add some life to the campus. If you add life to the campus, now there are programs that the community might be more interested in. They may take the, the, the visit, they may visit the campus to attend those programs. Now you've got more interaction with the community. And then when you add the transportation part of this, which isn't a small thing, if they reopen that, that train station at the college, it feeds into this idea that public transportation becomes a bigger part of an answer to some of the problems. It, it, there's a lot. One of the reasons we wanted to do this series is that we did kind of have this nagging feeling that the college has been lurking in the background as an issue for a very long time and deserved some attention and, and, and a real closer look. And I think 
you know, we're not patting ourselves on the back here. I think we just lucked out with the timing because the timing happened just as this big announcement was made about uh, the affordable housing at the state level. And, and I think that's that is a huge piece to the puzzle. Yeah, well, there's two things at play here, really. The, and I think that one thing that became clear to me through this, through our coverage is that the Stony Brook folks are 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 in charge of the campus and the programming there. But the what we've been talking so much about in the community over the last couple of years is the future of the hospital. And is that going to be moved to that campus? Everybody sort of thought it was a foregone conclusion that the answer was yes. And I think a lot of people were looking to Stony Brook for answers as to when that might happen. When the reality is that the the at least the fundraising uh, side of of getting that hospital built rests with uh, with the local um, with the local hospital right with the foundation and you know Ken Wright was there uh, at the event and and spoke to that a little bit. I'm uh, Ken Wright. I'm the chairman of the board of the Southampton Hospital Association. So, and maybe you can explain to people the sort of unique situation we have here. It's really up to the hospital association to raise the, I think the last figure was $365 million. Is that the... the Our philanthropic target is $250 million. And we've raised just about $60 million, So we're about a quarter of the way there. Uh, <clears throat> the... Hospital, Southampton Hospital Association uh, founded the hospital in 1909. It was uh, 1909. Uh, and in 1917, we handed over the operating certificate to Stony Brook University Hospital. So they now operate the hospital. We continue to own the real estate. And part of the deal... 2017. It was 2017. Did I say 1917? Yes, it's okay. <laughs> I think we all, we all updated it in our Give head. or take a century. Uh, <laughs> The part of the deal that we struck with Stony Brook was that they would set aside uh, acreage, and, and it's a 15-acre parcel of the 85-some-acre uh, campus, for us to lease for 100 bucks a year for 100 years, and for us to raise the money and build a hospital to their standards, um, that they would then lease from us, would continue to own it, but they'd lease it from us for 100 bucks a year for 100 years. So... When we started, Steve, I thought this would be a five or six year process. It turns out building a hospital is about a 15 year process. And fortunately, we're about nine years uh, into that process. So <clears throat> the uh, we've taken, there's uh, made a lot of progress to date with hiring uh, consultants, getting a, a good set of plans, beginning the fundraising, but we've got a long ways to go with the fundraising. And uh, doing archaeological explorations and traffic studies, but we have a very long ways to go. And I think the sum of uh, uh, the, the time duration of raising the, the next uh, 200 or $190 million, of uh, finishing the construction documents, building the building, and then commissioning it, outfitting it, and commissioning it and moving into it is probably on the order of about six years from, from today. Um, We'll be announcing in the next month a new hire at the at our foundation who will be dedicated to uh, the capital campaign, uh, and uh, and we'll get started. And we're starting to have some momentum, and uh, I'm, I'm feeling very good about how the progress that we've made to date has been. Uh, I think I'm very happy with. Ken, has the fundraising been ongoing? 
um, this yes. entire time? <clears throat> yes. Um, it really got sidelined by COVID significantly. You know, we were having meetings, in-person meetings with potential donors, and that sort of got, we started having them at a card table outdoors in front of the hospital, which wasn't <laughs> ideal. And, um, and frankly, uh, the, uh, Bob Challoner's uh, decision sort of uh, to, to move to Wisconsin was also a little bit of a setback. And we haven't had a full-time professional at the foundation who is a capital campaign-specific person. So we've had a couple of setbacks, but we have some... Uh, but this person, we should be announcing uh, their... Uh, uh, arrival in the next uh, month, and uh, so I'm, I'm optimistic about. You know, Shaw has a pretty good track record. In addition to improvements that have made been made at the hospital over the last uh, 10 or 15 or 20 years, uh, the the new operating suites, the emergency rebuilding of the emergency uh, department, uh, the Susan Allen Maternity Center that Tim had was very instrumental with Tim Marin, a, a fellow uh, board member for many years. Um, <clears throat> we've raised uh, more than $40 million for the standalone East Hampton Emergency Department, which should be, the construction should be completed in November of this year. We raised more than $30 million to open the Phillips Family Cancer Center on the highway, which is in a very attractive building. So we have a good track record of, uh, of coming up with uh, uh, plans, uh, executing them, raising the money, and getting it done. And I think we'll do the same with the new hospital. Can we talk a little bit about that uh, side of things, Steve? I mean, what what have you what have you learned or heard or or anybody really can weigh in in terms of the fundraising for the for the hospital and and the reality of that getting built on that property? For me, I learned a bit when when, when Ken Wright spoke. Um, to be honest, I thought the fact that they had sixty million in hand sounded high because I haven't been hearing of any big major fundraising pushes, but I think. The key thing that that I got from his little um, comment was that they're starting to move forward, and now suddenly they have some kind of some deadlines. They're going to have a fundraiser. Uh, they're going to, you know, they're going to. Um, what do you say? In six year, is he had a six year window right now, I think. And um, and I, I, you know, that's to be un that's understandable. I mean, I, um, I think well, the the college. I think the original goal. I mean, the the original goal for the hospital was twenty twenty five, I believe. And so if I think it was groundbreaking in 2025, is that what it was? Okay, yeah. So if that's the case, then you know, as far as I'm concerned, we're pretty much on schedule when you when you subtract COVID. Right. That's I mean, true. I, yeah, people brought that up, right? That, that, that the pandemic came along and derailed a lot of this, including some of the top brass at Stony Brook. And, and you know, Wendy Pearson has been in her chair for just a few months. And and she's, she did say that this is the first in what she hopes are many discussions. And, um, and you know, so so while the hospital is is raising those funds, you know, the Stony Brook folks are moving forward with the campus and their and their plans there and adding programming. And, you know, one of the things that Fred Thiel sort of who who I have to say kind of pushed this conversation to the forefront with some criticisms, especially about the physical plant up there. Um, I mean, you know, what's been going on with the, we did, we did, we had a map in the paper last week about, about the campus itself and some of the buildings there. What are some of the challenges with that? I know that, I know the physical state of the campus has, has fallen into some disarray. If I can interject real quick on that. I mean, I, I think one of the, the, the biggest things I've learned in this entire process is 
uh, is that in Joe's question and answer with with uh, President McInnes, the um, Stony Brook was two billion dollars behind on on maintenance. Two and billion. Billion. Two billion. Yeah. <laughs> And that they were getting, uh, and they said, um, uh, uh, Jed Shivers said yesterday that they were getting 20, 25 to 30 million a year for maintenance. And that's nothing. I mean, and so um, I, I was, I mean, when I heard that, that it was that little, I thought, oh, no wonder these buildings are being, you know, locked, padlocked and left because there's just more pressing needs everywhere. And but it was but um, it was I think it was Bill Herman who said that they that they they've got 250 million this year, which is, you know, an eighth of what they're behind. So that's that that should help. I would hope. It should be pointed out that that two billion is all of Stony Brook, which includes Southampton, but it also right. includes their main campus. And yeah, the thing that Maury McGinnis said in my interview with her that I thought was telling was. We really don't want to invest a lot of money in buildings if it if we get it. We want to invest it in programs right now because we are so far behind on buildings. You know, they're going to work on that, but their focus in Southampton in particular can't be on the buildings. It has to be on the programs. And she said they inherited a lot of the problems on the campus. I think there's some truth to that, although there's no there's question a lot of truth to that. Yeah, but I think a lot of the, the deterioration has come during Stony Brook's ownership, too, that they've just sort of let a lot of that stuff get worse and worse. I think some of those buildings were already condemned when uh, Stony Brook came in, to be fair. But one of the things, Gavin, going back to your question about the hospital, look, this is the circumstance. Stony Brook has set aside 15 acres on the Stony Brook Southampton campus as a potential home for a future hospital. They would lease that for $100 a year to the Southampton Hospital Association, which actually owns the, the current hospital. They, they own the building and they own the grounds and they would own the new hospital to be built on the campus as well. This is, this is something people need to understand is that Stony Brook would not technically own it. The ownership is really Southampton Hospital Association. So I think the, the groundwork is there for the hospital association to raise the money that they need. And, and Ken Wright made the point, they've raised money for big projects already. They got the ER um, for East Hampton that's underway and being constructed. They had to raise that money too. They had to raise money for the cancer center that was just recently built. Um, they have done that successfully. They've been able to raise money to do those projects. This is obviously a bigger ask, but he's confident. And when I talked with Maury McInnes and when we heard from other Stony Brook officials yesterday, they all seem very optimistic that a new hospital is going to be part of the future. But Bill, you had mentioned. Well, um, I, I, I thought it was, it was, it was a little, it was very interesting and a little telling and, and, and again, it speaks to the excitement, I, I think, of the university people that they're talking about, you know, this this affordable housing or housing component on the campus and very excited about that. And they were very clear, though, that that housing is going to happen with or without a hospital on on the property. And and and, I, and, it, and you know, and again, it, that just speaks to those the, the two entities and, you know. And, and I think everybody's getting along and I think everybody has the same goal, but the university is, is in, ex, in, in essence, a little powerless 
and until until the hospital association can come forward with the money and and build that hospital. I, I think we were all we were all kind of, you know, under maybe not all of us, but I, I think I was under the assumption that that things were kind of deteriorating on, on the campus um, as as everybody was waiting for the hospital. And, and I think my takeaway coming out of the express sessions was that that's, that's not true, that they are moving forward. They're moving forward with the housing, but they're also moving forward with, with um, you know, both the legacy programs that Steve talked about, but, but these healthcare programs too, health science programs, um, where they have, um, you know, a lot of students on campus that, um, that, that may be, be flying under the radar. These are, are students who, who may be main campus students, but come out to Southampton. They they do a residency at Southampton Hospital, Stony Brook Southampton Hospital, and they're taking classes on the campus. And I think that's something that that um, that that has gone under the radar a little bit, and and just shows that um, that the university has been focusing on on Southampton and has been trying to improve programming um, there, and and does you know have a a future vision in mind. The Express Sessions are supported by Adam Miller Group, a leading real estate law firm in the Hamptons, specializing in representing and advising clients on acquisitions, sales, leasing, and all aspects of zoning of residential and commercial real estate. The firm established its office in Bridgehampton in 2007 and also has a presence in South Florida. Knowledge, execution, key relationships, and dedication are the cornerstones of the practice, and the firm is known for being highly responsive and for handling every transaction seamlessly and with personal care. Visit adammillergroup.com or call 631-537-1155 to connect today. was surprised that that Stony Brook officials were excited about housing. I would think that if I were running a university and I had a mandate to give certain amount of space for up for affordable housing that I might be a little prickly about it, um, you know, because you know, that's our, not our mission, you know. I don't what's know. What's interesting, what... Steve, I think I think they're struggling to staff the hospital. And I well, think that's yeah, a I, I think <laughs> for sure. Without a doubt. Well, one of the words that was used a lot at the event was opportunity. And, uh, you know, you, like you said, Joe, this sort of fortuitous announcement right in the middle of our series about about the governor's plans to to try to build all this housing on state owned land. I mean, one of the issues that we run into on a weekly basis in our coverage out here is is the housing issue, affordable housing, housing in general, and land is scarce. So here, we, the, the, the word 84 acres or 82 acres, 85 acres, it was kind of kicked around at the event, but here's this big piece of land that's that's owned by the state that and with a governor who who's putting housing at the top of a priority list. I mean, so there is an opportunity, and you know the so the hospital is, is is one issue. The programming at the at the college is an issue, but there's this land, and, and I think that everybody in the room agreed that there's some opportunity there to to build some community around it. And and I think you know aside from some neighbors who who don't want to see things change, they probably appreciate how quiet it is. But I think most of the people in the room uh, look forward to building that community. There's more than a dozen buildings on the campus that have been condemned, including 
former Southampton Hall, which is an historic structure, and the windmill, which is an historic structure. That, to me, is unacceptable. But when we talk about the dormitories, to me, that's an opportunity. And that's an opportunity that Senator Laval and Senator Palumbo and I have been talking about for years. We live in a community that is in dire need of affordable housing. Those properties are just sitting there. We've been talking for years that there's an opportunity for affordable housing in the community, whether it's to provide housing for people that work at the hospital, because there are a number of positions, literally hundreds of positions that are vacant at the hospital, because you can't, as every businessman in this room knows, it's very hard to, to get people to come and work here. To, uh, because people, it's, it's, it's uh, expensive to live here. People don't want to get in the trade parade every day. So to me, that's a great opportunity. And to hear the governor this week talk, you know, in furtherance of her executive order about underutilized state properties, you know, Southampton is perfect for that program. That was a, an interesting takeaway, too, is that there was some criticism already of the idea of housing on the site. One of the criticisms being that it's a little too far east. I mean, I'm sorry, it's a little too far west to really address the, the traffic issue that people are still going to have to get in their cars and, and go to Southampton, um, even if they're working at the hospital. And the idea is that some of the housing would be set aside for them. Um, Hope Sandro, who is a, a resident of Shinnecock Hills, had a little stronger take um, being opposed to the idea of developing the campus at all. But I don't think Hope was in the majority. I think, I, I think, but I do think along the lines of the positivity, there were some sort of pleas from the community that say, think about what we, we need there. And there was a lot of talk about the, um, the Shinnecock Nation and what can be done as partners with the Shinnecock Nation. That was interesting. Um, you know, there, there, are, there are things to talk about. And I think one of the messages that, that Stony Brook heard loudly was people want to have these conversations and, and they want to be heard. Nothing about the tribe when I moved out here and really, you know, until I started to meet some members of it a few years ago. And when you, I mean, I, I was given some 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 stuff to read, uh, you know, and I talked about like the Shinnecock Golf Course. When the Shinnecock Golf Course, which is right across the road, was developed, they bulldoze graves. And I, whatever they do on that campus, if it's build a hospital or if it's building housing or whatever, I hope that they're really careful <laughs> with what they do because uh, that would just be, you know, make for some, you know, some super bad karma. And on the plus side, um, I, I thought that notion. Uh, Wendy Pearson had mentioned that you know that when when uh, uh, that when she was in um, Hawaii, that they had um, you know Hawaiian native uh, language classes, um, and there was talk. I guess it was Mary Pearl who was uh, the the dean or the provost for a short period when Stony Brook first took over, and she had launched. Um, worked to, to, to launch, you know, a, a Shinnecock language courses. 
And that was killed apparently right when that whole sustainability thing was shifted back to the main campus. Um, and I think that would be something that would be a really a very cool initiative. I, I was so intrigued by that. I would I would go and, and learn. Absolutely. Shinnecock language. I think that was just really, really neat. Yeah, well, a lot of history, a lot of tradition, and uh, and and like I said, a lot of opportunity ahead. So, you know, it's a um, it's a this is an issue that's gonna I think gonna be in our paper many times over the course of the next year. Um, I think you know, for anybody who who wants to read the package, it's online at twenty seven East. Our final installment's gonna be in the January eighteenth newspapers. Um, but uh, you know. Stay engaged is what I would say. I think we all need to stay engaged in this issue because it's it's got a lot of prongs to it. Wendy, I, just to, to tag on that, I think one of the one of the problems the local community has had over recent years is a feeling that there isn't a lot of give and take mm -hmm. with the local community. And you weren't in the job. Um, you've just arrived not too long Yesterday. ago. Yeah. Is that going to be something that gets repaired? Is there going to be a line of communication for for more interaction back and forth between Stony Brook and the local community? Well, that's what I need. I, I actually need that to do. If I'm going to do my job well, that's absolutely what I need. And so we need more conversations like this. I think the fact that this event was sold out shows that there is certainly pent up demand for information. Um, I need a committee of folks uh, from the community and from the campus to help inform the work that I do. And so the first things that I'm looking forward to doing is standing up that committee. Um, that requires that I get to know a lot of you to make sure that I have a good representative cross-section of everyone. But yeah, it has to be a reciprocal uh, communication loop in order for us to move forward together. Yes. Thank you for listening. The Express Sessions and the Sessions Report are presented by Rocco Carrero Wealth Partners. Our session partners are the Adam Miller Group and Advantage Title, with additional support from Sabre Capital, Geek Hampton, Dayton Ritz and Osborne Insurance, and Greenberg Trowerick. A special thanks to our media partner, WLIWFM. We will see you next time at Express Sessions for another conversation not to be missed. <laughs>